podcast world. Welcome back to the show. It's me, your host, Billy Eichner. On today's episode, I get to chat with friend and musician Isaac Elias. We sit down and discuss, as always, film, music, books, and all the wonders of life. Now, my friend Isaac is also the lead singer and guitarist for a band called Playkill, an indie rock group from Miami, Florida. You can also check out their music on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or almost anywhere music is enjoyed. And check out the episode notes for more info on the group. Also, make sure to stay tuned after the episode where I'll be showcasing one of their singles from their latest album, Home Time. Anyways, here we are, folks, at the end of this intro, so get ready, because here's a brand new episode of Conversations from a Room. Are we rolling? Uh, we are. We have been rolling, but been nothing's, rolling. nothing's canon. Nothing <laughs> is... The beauty about doing this is that everything is about editing. Welcome to the show, Isaac. <laughs> so good to be here with you talking on this podcast. Hopefully five minutes in, I won't go. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> so here's the theme of the show. Okay. My favorite part about this show is we could talk about film. But I asked three simple questions. What's one of your favorite films? Mm-hmm. What's a guilty pleasure film? Mm-hmm. And what's one of the worst films you've ever seen? One of my favorite films off the top of my head, this is going to sound pretty basic, but uh, Reservoir Dogs from Quentin Tarantino. Okay, that's a great one. I love Reservoir Dogs. I think people just want to be obscure and eccentric and, you know, quirky. So yeah. they pick something that nobody knows about. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's popular for a reason. Okay, Reservoir Dogs, uh, released 1992, directed by Quentin Tarantino. It stars Harvey Cartel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, and our favorite, Steve Buscemi. What's, what about it stuck out to you? What I liked about it is that, because it, it was actually not the first Quentin Tarantino movie I saw. Um, then once I started getting more into, like, you know, his films, you know, as, you know, pop culture you yeah. know, dictates I should. Well, you know, I, I don't like it when people get mad when, they, when you, they find out you haven't seen something and they're just like, you've never seen The Godfather? I'm just like, shut up. Have you ever seen The Godfather? I have seen The Godfather. I've also seen the second Godfather. I haven't seen the third one. Too. No one has seen the third. 95% of the people have seen, that have seen the first two have not seen the second one or the third one. But what I liked about the movie is that, um, like, compared to his other films, like, it was very simple and it was very, like, his style. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, his first, like, film that he directed, wrote, and, like, everything. Like, like I mean, something that I've always liked about his, like, movies in general is that they're very character-driven, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah, like, the plot's very important, but, like, you fall in love with the characters in those movies, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like it's a play. You see a whole a whole cast of characters kind of develop over time. Which is really nice because you get to invest in these people and then they actually matter by the end. No way. I pick. You're Mr. Pink. Be thankful you're not Mr. Yellow. Yeah, yeah, but Mr. Brown, that's a little too close to Mr. Shit. Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy. How about if I'm Mr. Purple? I mean, that sounds good to me. I'll I'll be Mr. Purple. You're not Mr. Purple. Some guy has some other job as Mr. Purple. You're Mr. Pink. Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool sounding name. All right, look, if it's no big deal to be Mr. Pink, you want to trade? Hey, nobody's trading with anybody. This ain't a goddamn fucking city council meeting, you know. 
All right, here's a little bit of uh, trivia on the movie. The budget wouldn't cover police assistance for traffic control. So in the scene where Steve Buscemi forces a woman out of her car and drives off in it, he can only do so when the traffic lights were green. All right, so look, that's that's goes to show how low the budget was. Like they just shot on like real streets. Yeah, and then they didn't even show the, which I thought was very interesting. They didn't even show them actually robbing the place they were. Robbing. Oh, it was the after. Yeah, yeah. They only showed you the the planning, and then they just cut to after where they're all running away. And I I thought like the that scene, like it's you know the iconic scene, you know where like you know he's cutting the guy's ear off, and you know that song um stuck in the middle with you is playing. <laughs> It's really interesting in that scene because in that scene the the severity of the torture mm-hmm. is absolutely insane and you have this like very like tongue in cheek kind of oh like I know classic yeah. rock song playing you know uh, that inspired I feel like a lot of people to play like kind of funky upbeat music in scenes where it's supposed to be very tormenting or or traumatic which I think adds so much flavor to the scene yeah that's the thing you know say what you want about Tarantino. But he makes incredible work. I mean, like he could be twisted with whatever his his uh, his methods are. He hasn't missed once. But he sorry. hasn't missed one. He hasn't missed once. It's funny because it is like it's a very memorable heist film. But the most memorable thing about heist films is that there's a heist in it. There's not even a heist in this one. Well, I think you know what actually makes heist films good is like the planning and the drama leading to it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. The heist only lasts like thirty seconds. It's every, it's the pre and post. He that got you the, see. he got the two best parts that you care about. Exactly, yeah. That's that's what we want to see. That's what we're committed to. Yeah, we want to see the drama. You want to see the drama, but some say save the drama for your mom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's a guilty pleasure movie? That's a tough one. Um... And, you know, I should have said this is my favorite movie of all time, but, you know, I think at this point it's become a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably is, you know, I'd say my favorite movie of all time now that I actually think about it. The Dark Knight. Uh, oh. Chris, Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight. Great. I mean, come on. No one would ever give you smack for that. Because The Dark but Knight, I, literally, <laughs> they teach, they, they use that film to teach students in film school about directing and about writing and storytelling. Because it's a good movie. Say what you want. It's a comic book film. I... Who I who doesn't hate, like the Dark Knight? I hate superhero movies. Like, oh, okay. But this one, like, dude, you, like, you'll, that's why you'll, I did so well. You'll you'll find me like quoting like Heath Ledger's lines like just on a regular Tuesday. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, I wonder how I got these scars. Like, every <laughs> Christopher Nolan, with all of his credibility of being like a good director, and was like, I'm not gonna just make this because I'm getting a paycheck. Like, no, this was probably personal for him. He probably loved Batman growing up. And you give a director who knows what he's doing the power to make something like this, you're gonna get a good damn film. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. You see, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. 
I'm just ahead of the curve. Damn, man. Don't ask me how I feel about the Avengers. I hate all the movies. Oh, uh, the Marvel movies? I'm done. Like, I'm just done, man. I'm done. <laughs> well, we like... are a little bit fatigued with, with Marvel and Star Wars and all and a lot of like DC. Sure. Because we've hit a we've hit a, a point in Hollywood or in like the film industry where we have the capabilities of making movies like that. We couldn't do that 20 years ago. I mean, we could, but they look terrible. All right, Dark Knight uh, came out in 2008, directed by, we all know, Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, Michael Caine. Oh, that's right. This one had Maggie Gyllenhaal. All right, here we go. In preparation for his role as the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. What do you think about method acting? I, I, I respect it, but I kind of think it's stupid. Like, let's say the movie turns out terrible. Then you method act for nothing. Uh, during his extended stay of seclusion, Ledger delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the Joker's every tick, namely the voice and the sadistic sounding laugh. He killed it. You know, I, I think villains are a lot more important in movies than heroes. If I don't believe that this guy's actually bad enough that he needs to be stopped, you know? Like, if you could stop him so easily, then what's the point? I think that's what made these movies, Dark Knight movies, why they did so well is because... They were more grounded as opposed to superheroes flying around or shooting webs out of their hands. Like it's it's supposed to be real people who have just gone mad or have the riches to become Batman. That is no, that is a great guilty pleasure. That's like one of the more perfect guilty pleasures you can hear because it's not only is it a good movie, but it's like you know you can watch it over and over again. And it never gets bored. All right, what's one of the worst movies you've ever seen? That's really tough, dude. Because like you know, I don't really like to remember things I don't care about. <laughs> that's that's a good way to live life. You only have a certain amount of space in your brain for things. Might as well just keep the good. I mean, things. if it was a bad movie, it's probably also forgettable. Damn, I don't even know, man. I I I don't know. I mean, I, I pride myself on picking. You know what? Actually, is a good. You know, <laughs> I'm so good at picking movies. I'll never. No, watch I really a bad am. Movie. But like, I think uh, I didn't even finish it because I just like I couldn't get past Leonardo DiCaprio's accent. It was uh, Blood Diamond, I think. Really? What was his? I actually never seen Blood Diamond. He's supposed to have a South African accent, okay? It's the funny thing is, I've seen clips of that movie, and I never noticed that he was speaking in, in a South Exactly. Accent. That's insane. Wow. It, I, I, I couldn't. I got like 15 minutes in, and I was like, I can't watch this movie, bro. <laughs> Last time I checked. Mm. So don't tell me you're here to make a difference, huh? And you're here to make a buck? I'm here for lack of a better idea. That's a shame. Not really. Peace Corps types only stay around long enough to realize they're not helping anyone. Government only wants to stay in power until they've stolen enough to go into exile somewhere else. And the rebels, they're not sure they want to take over, otherwise they'd have to govern this mess, but TIA, right, Med? TIA. What's TIA? This is Africa, huh? Well, that's the thing, though. I feel like, oh, they probably got Leonardo DiCaprio because he's Leonardo DiCaprio. But if someone can't do the accent, it's going to completely revert your attention to the whole film what did you think of the movie itself though i didn't even finish it that yeah, was a problem just specifically because of the accent i i couldn't get past his voice i was like why is he talking like that this is this is absolutely horrific blood diamond released 2006 a fisherman a smuggler and a syndicate of businessmen match wits over the possession of a priceless diamond wow. the jurassic world movie sucked also yes jurassic world was another terrible film yeah, as well like- the first Jurassic World wasn't too bad. Like, I liked it. It was nice. It was a fun movie, you know, like, um, but that last one, man. Yeah, they really, Oof. they really, I don't know if you ever heard this theory, but apparently the Fast and the Furious universe is supposedly in the same universe as the Jurassic Park universe. I know it doesn't does make that? any sense. I know it doesn't mean, why, Explain it why? to me. Make it make sense. All right, you know what? Make let's, it make sense. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> I need to understand how this works. Jurassic World. Look, first result. Fast and the Furious could cross over with Jurassic Park. 
Um, okay, because they, they're both owned by Universal Studios, so they both have rights to the movie. And once you reach a certain pinnacle, there's nowhere to go but across a brand and merge. I think they're just like, why not? They're both ridiculous franchises, and people want to see Chris Pratt and Vin Diesel in a room together, probably. I mean, look, F9 was also a bad movie. But <laughs> after watching Jurassic World, Dominion, whatever it is... Do you not? Would you not care at this point? Like, do those movies not seem exactly the same? The the, the ridiculousness of of but like they have Fast turned the it into a ridiculous film. Like, like they're both ridiculous. The scene in F nine where Vin Diesel essentially tears down an entire building <laughs> on himself. <laughs> Wait, when, when does he do that? So so they're like escaping oh, yeah, is he like, like this pulling out a chain. Or yeah, he pulls like these chains and just like brings down a whole building. It's like, yeah, dude, yeah. Like, I don't care how But he's Vin Diesel. But like I don't care how He's a superhero. How bad the structural integrity of that compound is, which it wasn't. Yeah. Like, well, how about Chris Pratt being chased by two Velociraptors on a what do you call it a dirt bike? Like, so look, I'm write gonna, that sentence down on paper. I'm it sounds honest, ridiculous. We don't know how actually fast Velociraptors. <laughs> we don't know are. how the Earth was made. All we know is that dinosaurs can coexist with Vin Diesel. Okay, but like, we don't know how fast they were. So I'm gonna be honest. I think we know how fast Velociraptors are. How you can Google it. But how? How were we there? Oh, people took notes. <laughs> people have taken... We've dug up dinosaurs and we asked them. There's been scientific data. Oh, you know why? That's that's the thing. Because the velociraptors that they base Jurassic Park aren't real. Those aren't real velociraptors. Like, those are genetically enhanced velociraptors. So they probably run up to 60, 80 miles per hour. It's it's the movie. The, it's the, the movie. Look, man, the the, the Listen, plot Vin demanded Diesel it. once tore down a building. The plot demanded it. That's what <laughs> exactly. it is. The plot demanded And that wasn't even the only problem. I mean, there was there was just so many things in that movie that just did not freaking Chris Pratt basically had the force. Okay, how about this? You were on an island, yes. a desert island, and they said, "Okay, Isaac, you're going to stay here for the rest of your life, but you can only take one movie with you." One movie. And one of them either has to be Blood Diamond or Jurassic World. Which one would you pick? You know what? I picked Blood Diamond because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But then it, what, you see it once and that's it. And you know what? I'll, I'll draw on the sand. I don't Damn, know, man. That's funny. All right. How about this? A film you've recently gone back to watch and forgot how great it was. So the Pixar movie, Soul. Oh, that's a good one. The first time, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think the first time I enjoyed it more because I actually I didn't expect the movie to be okay, about okay. that. Right. Like when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, about like music or whatever. And I was it's like, a I'm, I'm, a, both. It's about, I'm a musical guy. I'll, I, I'll watch it, you know? And then I saw it and it was like a very like, you know. Yeah. It's like more about the consciousness and like the afterlife. You know, it's about the cosmos. You know, that's why Pixar and Disney are so popular. That's why they've done so well. It's because they, they their demographic is kids and adults. Like they make kids films, but that everyone can understand and watch and appreciate. But yeah, Soul's a great one. I mean, I've I've only seen it once, and now I feel like I have to go back and watch it. You should. It's it's actually a really good movie. When you think about Soul, what scene, what what moment pops in your head? My favorite scene in the movie, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but so Joe, when Joe gets a second chance, and then Terry, the the guy who keeps count of like the souls and stuff, he like notices again that like he's like it's missing, like there's a, there's a there's a soul missing, you know? Yeah. Because he keeps the count, right? Yeah. And then. One of the the Jerry characters is like, oh, what's that over there? And then he just he moves the little uh, the little calculator, so like mm-hmm. the the count like looks like it was never messed up. I'm speaking for all the Jerrys when I say thank you. For what? We're in the business of inspiration, Joe, but it's not often we find ourselves inspired. Oh, really? So we all decided to give you another chance. 
<laughs> Hopefully, you will watch where you walk from now on. But what about Terry? We worked it out with Terry. Mm, this week. Hey, Terry, what's that over there? Look, immediately. What, what are you talking about? Um, nothing. You were saying? Hmm? Were, were you even talking? I can't remember. Never mind. Thanks. So, what do you think you'll do? How are you going to spend your life? I'm not sure. But I do know. I'm going to live every minute of it. All right. Now we're going to be moving on to music. And you're a musician. You know, this is this is your career. This is your livelihood. Unfortunately, so, yeah. Man, starving artist is a real thing, folks. You want to tell us about your band? Plug your band? Uh, my band is called uh, Playkill. You mm-hmm. can find us on Instagram at Playkill Music. Uh, okay, so but what's some of the music that you listen to that maybe inspires your music or that has inspired you to become a musician? Well, my, my comfort music at this point is, is very much The Strokes, which I wasn't really too much of a big fan of until like I graduated high school. Then I started really getting into them. like the Beatles, you know, I like Drake and Alex Highly Creator, you know, like honestly very basic things. Yeah, you know, well, I, you know, I'd say like I would say that's where you have to have the finger on the pulse because you're listening to not basic things but popular things. You're listening to the things that people listen to, you know? Yeah, it's true. You know, you're you're just you're you're feeding into the daily digest of, you know, the music culture. Well, I mean, like those are like, you know, my favorite artists just like, you know, cuz in the sense I can listen to almost their entire discography. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, actually, like one of my guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. in fact, when it comes to music, is that, <laughs> yeah. uh, I like uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, let's see. I, it's funny. I was just talking about that on my last show. A lot of people enjoy listening to your Taylor Swifts or your Sam Smiths or your... Uh, your Dua, just, Dua Lipa. You know, Dua, all those people. It's They're popular for a reason. It's because they make music that people enjoy, and it's to the masses. You know, it's it's catchy. It's It's fun. It makes you feel good. Do you listen to the lyrics for the lyrics? Do you listen for the for the feel of it? Like, what's what's your favorite part about Taylor Swift? What, why do you keep going back to her? It's it's not even maybe like the lyrics, just like how it's like how good they are at painting a picture vague enough mm-hmm. that you could still, you know, paint your own picture. They're telling with it. a story. Yeah, but like I feel like it's almost different than like you know movies or like literature, some something like that. Because I think in order for like a song to really be good. It has to be, you know, a story, but it has to also still be vague enough for the person listening to put themselves in that story. We can leave the Christmas lights up till January. And this is our place. We made the rules. And there's a dazzling haze, a mysterious way about you. Have I known you 20 seconds in 20 years? Can I go where you go? 
like essentially it's called being relatable. You know I mean? Well, I think that's what's always made her so famous is that she's she's singing these songs that are personal to her and they're from the heart. You know, they're, she's not using an algorithm of like, okay, what what do people want to hear? But her songs are, are about like heartbreak, struggles. You know, of, it's of, it's about of, the things that like everybody goes through. You know, like her song "Never Ever Getting Back Together." Yeah, I. I know why girls like that song, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and exactly. I like that song because like the little yeah. quirks and like details it has, or like, you know, she's yeah. like, where she's like, we're never getting back together, like, ever. ever. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, girl, same, I'm same. Like, I'm like, preach, slay, <laughs> yeah, slay, yeah. slay queen. Yeah, Let's for go. Sure. You know, when it also comes to, you know, the more obscure things, because, you know, I still have to, you know, pretend like, you know, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like bands like Crumb, which, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this band no, called no. Crumb. I'll check them out. You know, I like Home Shake. When it comes to like indie music necessarily, like I don't listen to stuff that's too heavy. I don't listen to stuff that's too clean. Like I like things where like Men I Trust is this band, right? Oh, okay. Like, I remember the first time I heard that group. They had this song called Show Me How, right? And, like, the bass line is, like, you know, the bass line's grooving, the drums are grooving, right? And, like, the bass line's, like, it's, like, it's going, like, it's, like, a dum 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 It struck a chord with me, yeah. and like that's kind of like the music I always aim to make. It's like yeah. I think drums and bass are the most important things when it comes to like the feel, the overall groove of music. And oddly enough, I don't play those instruments. I I forget who said it. It was an old director from like the nineteen twenties or forties. His quote was like, "I don't watch movies. I feel movies because there's a difference to it. You have to understand how the music communicates to you. So that in your case, when you write or play music." you know how to communicate to your audience. So there's an artist I've been listening, like that I just started to get into again, um, called Mitski. So I heard this song a while back from her mm-hmm. called Nobody, which is like meme that goes like, nobody, 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 nobody. Because like she doesn't sound like anything. And like I've been struggling to find things that are like, new to mm-hmm. me you know what I mean because I listen to so much music yeah yeah it's hard to find something that I'm like oh wow this is nice and fresh it starts to plateau yeah. it starts to sound like everything's just starting to merge exactly yeah yeah I, I want to get more into her and I think she's like an artist that you know even if I don't personally like all of her music I think she's definitely changing things for music in general okay that's cool you know yeah at least she's going in a different direction and she's, she's taking a risk she's definitely going yeah, in a yeah. different direction sometimes like bands it. do that or or there's new artists that do take risks or they just don't work you know what i mean so it's tough it's tough to kind of kind of figure out the uh the balance yeah dude i mean everybody wants to look for that next new great sound is know? there a certain type of formula that you've followed throughout making new stuff musicians have asked me like oh you know like what, what's the process and i'm like you know there's never to me there's never been one way to write a song I mean, just, like, not even, like, everyone has a different way. It's, like, there's just no, like, one person. Like, I don't think I've ever written a song the same way I've written, like, another, you know? You know, I'd always had, I've always had an issue, like, collaborating, like, with my fellow bandmates. And then on our last project, Home Time, mm-hmm. um, we all wrote this song called Brussels, right? Which, you know, it came first with my bass player. He, he had this little riff that he was playing on the bass. And he was like, oh, I don't really like it that much. And I was like, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I, I love it. He was like, well, I don't really like it. 
Um, so then I went home and I tried to work something out. Like I did it, you know, by myself on the guitar first and like I recorded voice memos and I couldn't play it and sing it at the same time. So I was having trouble and I was like, cause we were all trying to write something together. So then I went back and this time we had like a storage unit and we were rehearsing in there and trying to write and stuff. And I came back and I was like, hey, this is like kind of an idea I have. And it wasn't really coming out how I wanted it to, like me just playing it. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I laid down, you know, the bass riff. And then I laid down a guitar riff on top of it and everything like that. I couldn't figure out what to do with the drums. Whatever, I made like a little demo and then my drummer was like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, I, I, I can make something for that. And then, you know, eventually, you know, once we had... We recorded all that stuff and went to the studio. He wrote his drum part. You know, I, I wrote the vocals. My bass player came up with the initial riff. So mm-hmm. I see it as really the first song we all really made together. Oh, that's cool. worked on other songs in the same way since or was that the only one that's the only one we really really came out like you know like that and that's kind of like the point i'm trying to make where it's like there's no one way that it goes you know yeah that that's not usually how i do it you know i mean i usually always start on the computer Mm -hmm. and like you know i have like or have an idea and i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put it here i don't have an idea and i I think front when it comes to creativity it's it's not tangible it just kind of floats in the air it's very sporadic so you take it as it comes that's it i i see it as very sporadic yeah very very sporadic you never know you know you just don't let it get away like i i would used to at least sit down all the time in front of my computer in front of a guitar or something like that and i would try to just write music write music write music and now i'm kind of getting to that point you know it's been like you know i I started making music just in general when i was in 10th grade and i'm 21 now and i'm kind of feeling i'm getting to that point where i'm just losing like I'm losing the ability to just like make every like make anything just like off off rip just like that because no I think I think you go through stages I don't think it's ever I don't think it's ever gone I think as you get older you just have to use you know different methods that's all you know I think so we only stay fine tuned for so long until we have to just adapt and grow that's it you know but that creativity always stays it's always gonna be lit as long as as long as you keep it, it never really goes away unless someone murders you. I, I mean, I, I think I'm just kind of getting to the point where, like, I think everything I'm making sounds the same, and I'm kind of like, I, I want to get out of like a, like a loop, you know. Well, I think the first step in doing it is being conscious of that you are making more or less the same material. Sometimes you have to experiment with new stuff. That's how bands grow. That's how people grow. Yeah, I just don't want to keep making like you know the same old like indie music. You know what I mean? Like, I hear you. I think I I, I can you know keep it in that vein because it's what I like and it's what you know mm-hmm. I've been doing. But, you know, I kind of want to, I want to do something a little different. I want to, like, you know, like, like I, I just want to, I, I want to make something that, you know, 
not, I don't want to, you know, be corny and say something people haven't heard before, but like, I want to make something that at least is new to me, mm. you know? You know, it's like what you said about your other, your other favorite artists. It's only going to be good to other people if it's personal to you, you know? So even if you think you're taking a risk, I'm sure other people will appreciate that. No, yeah. I mean, I've always told like people that I've talked to, like they've asked me for advice. They've, I've always told them, I was like, look, man, if you don't like it, no one's going to like it. Exactly. Yeah, you know I mean, so you have to like it first. You have to make sure you like it first. Yeah. And then you can worry about if other people like it's it. It's like I was reading a book called Live from New York. It's about the first few years of Saturday Night Live. And one of the writers would say, you know, the easiest thing about writing is that you would just write down what you and your friends thought were funny. But nine out of ten times, it's going to be, you know, other people are going to enjoy it too. Okay, so now we're going to talk about books. You don't have to mention a bunch of books. You don't even have to mention one book if you don't want. But I always ask the guests to recommend at least one book that they've read in their life that has stuck out to them. Well... Personally, I don't really read. There you go. But, Moving on. <laughs> but I, I, I will say this. Um, I think Othello. Othello. By Shakespeare. Wow, really? Because I had to read it in high school, and it actually inspired I me. I haven't to... got a Shakespeare recommendation yet. So, well, I actually read it in high school and it inspired me to write a song. Look at that. So, so Shakespeare I literally still have a... works out I, there. I, For I literally... anyone who wonders, Shakespeare still works. <laughs> I literally have a song called The Moor, and that's what they refer to Othello as in okay. the book. Can you describe the plot? So basically the plot is is that Othello is uh, a Moor, which is pretty much a Muslim or a North African a North African like Muslim. So he could be he could be black, he could be, you know, Arabic looking or whatever. Sure. Right? Egyptian. Egyptian looking, yeah. Like uh but for, you know, the purposes of the story, he was, you know, of the darkest complexion. And I mean yeah. it's very ahead of its time and like the it's it was it was kind of like a it was like racial. It was definitely like racial commentary. It was, it was the first woke play. Ever. It was very woke. It was very woke. <laughs> definitely, Shakespeare was woke, dude. So Othello, uh, pretty much, um, he's in love with this girl named Desdemona, right? Mm -hmm. But their marriage or like their love is forbidden because you know Shakespeare loves forbidden love. Mm -hmm. You know, and who doesn't? Exactly, and uh, because he's black, she's white, mm -hmm. and you know that just can't fly back yeah. in those times. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So that's essentially back the, in these times too. Some would say <laughs> that's essentially the plot, and then you know it's a tragedy. So you know people die. You know I don't really want to spoil it too much because like I think it's worth for people to like at least read it. You know find a movie something like that or a synopsis and you know kind of figure it out themselves. Mm -hmm. But pretty much like that's that's what it is. It's just you know he likes he likes Desdemona. Desdemona likes him, but it can't happen because uh, Daddy doesn't like black guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think you know, like in this day and age, we make it more about the fact that he was black. Mm -hmm. But I think also what had to do with it in the in the story is that he was he was a he was a military man. He wasn't royalty. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. And Desdemona was, uh, I yeah. think the I, I believe she was a princess. I'm not. I'm having a hard time. Remembering. It's a real Aladdin story. It had more moving parts than just nothing that. was working in his favor to be with absolutely nothing was working yeah, in his yeah. favor. Do they you know end up I mean? together at the end? Uh, I believe they alert. both. I believe they both die. Everybody dies in tragedies. Yeah, that's, that's the true. Thing. Yeah, that's how they used to write those things. Back I know, then, which yeah. I thought Everyone was, dies, which yeah. I think is interesting. Like, it's not like I mean, one person several dies. Everybody films dies. And, and there are several films and television shows that are loosely based on a plot by William Shakespeare. He 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 made the best. Like you know, he he laid the groundwork for like you know those basic plots. He built the foundation. He wrote stuff for the people. For the people. Yeah. That's what he did. He really wrote plays yeah. for the people. Yeah, he did. All right. Well, that's a great. That's a great recommendation. We'll stick with that one. These are are my random questions. Uh, Isaac, what is your unrealistic dream job? Uh, Formula One race car driver. Nice. Why? Why is that? 
I have, that's a that's a first for sure. Because when I was a when I was a kid, I I told my parents like I think when I was like fourteen, I was like, I want to be a famous musician, a race car driver, and maybe the president of the United States. <laughs> that was like, you just were thinking of the, the three coolest things that no, because like what, what, I, what I was thinking about like my my plan was okay, so to be an F one driver, you have to have a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, I'll be a musician, I'll get that a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Then. I'll be the Formula One driver. Then I'll be definitely world famous by this point, right? Yeah. And I'll be an American citizen. And then I'll have the popularity, the the, the pull, you know, mm-hmm. to then somehow make it into politics, you know? Okay. And I figured it would be pretty feasible. Then, you know, the whole Trump thing happened. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to be president like that. <laughs> Why were you into politics at such a young age? Well, I was of the mind that I was like, you know, dude, I feel like I can fix all this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel because, you know, I always like in history classes and stuff like that and uh, you know social studies and stuff like that i would always be able to argue both points of view Mm -hmm. and see people's sides like you know i i i definitely disagreed with a lot of people Mm -hmm. but then i would always somehow make them understand where i was coming from and i just felt like you know if i have that skill to kind of like bridge this kind of gap you know like I, I think people would respect it, you know what I mean? Like, that I could see your point of view, I see your point of view. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I, I felt like I could make it work, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you're battling one of the biggest fights in the Constitution is, like, what does our freedom lie? You know, like, how much freedom do we actually have? Which is, I think, a, a lot of the people's arguments about decisions that are made and things that they want to do, but... America's always been about the individual. Sure, and sure. And I can kind of care less about everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, the mind... Should we start chanting USA right now? Is that, would <laughs> no. that be appropriate? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not between two people. It would sound yeah, weird. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think... Um, I would just want everybody to be the absolute freest they can possibly be. Yeah, you know it's I mean? hard. Anyways, F1 race car driver. Yes. You know how like, every race car driver has their own advertisement? What would yours be? I think the Mercedes team already has Marlboro, so I'll take Newport. <laughs> Why? Cigarettes, really? You want to advertise cigarettes? Yeah, dude, I'm out here, I'm out here, for, the, I'm out here for the homies, man. <laughs> I, I would literally just do it like, as like, like a meme at that point. Like, I just think it's hilarious. It's like, it's like yeah, Newports. And it's like, why would you have Newports? Guy? And like, think, not even cigarettes, but like the shittiest cigarettes. Their, their logo is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're, it's very 90s looking, too. It's like green. And like I'm really just going for the colorway, man. That's it, there man. you go. Yeah. Good color palette. All right. Do you believe in reincarnation? That's a that's a tough question because, you know, I think, you know, I want to and I want to believe in a lot of things. But, you know, I'm of the mind that, like, you know, I really just believe this is the only shot we got. So, mm. And I don't know if there is yeah. another chance. So I'm yeah. just going to make it worthwhile, and I don't want to think about afterlife because I have, I'm have i living the life right now. There you yeah, go. Man. That's like, a good answer. But what do you think you were? If, if reincarnation were real, what do you think you were in your past life? Well, I think if anything, how reincarnation would work in my head is that we're all just the same people in a different time. Okay. Yeah, that's actually... It's funny. I haven't gotten that one. So that's... I that's... think the universe would just, you know... It's like... Like, maybe going back to that movie Soul, it's like, you are the personality traits you are i mean i think you know in 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 my past life i i don't i think because i'm in the time period i am now where i have so much freedom and everything i live like in a first world country and all that stuff right Mm -hmm. you know i i have a lot more liberties and you know opportunities to do certain things i don't feel like in my past life Mm -hmm. i would have wanted to do music even if i did want to do it i think i would have thought the more practical logical path you know what i mean i feel like i'm in like the situation i'm in now it's like you know like if i don't try to go get my dreams i wasted an opportunity because i'm in 
I'm in such an environment, such a place, and such a in in such a country, in such a world, mm-hmm. even right where now is the time where like you can really just be whoever you want to be, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think the way you're thinking about yeah. it is why worry about who you were before? Like, let's just focus on who we are now. Yeah, I can't change who I was before. Yeah, I can change yeah. who I am now. Though. Yeah, yeah. So just all your full potential is going into who you are right now, and like, and because that's what speaks to you, 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 you truly think. Whoever I was before is just doing what I'm doing right now, just living in the moment. You know what I mean? I, I, I think so. Yeah. All right. That's cool. I like that. That's a good answer. You know, don't worry about it too much. Just make this life the one that matters. Exactly. So don't screw it up. 100%. Hey, Isaac. Yes. What is your ideal <laughs> breakfast? Uh, I mean, honestly, dude, I think it's just um, a nice cup of coffee. It could be cold, it could be hot, whatever, but it has to be a just nice... It, there has to be caffeine It involved. has to be a really just good, like, top-notch yeah, cup of yeah. coffee. Something right? that just perk you up in the morning. Yeah, just a great cup of coffee, right? Uh-huh. And there's a little bagel shop that I go to. What's it called? It's called Outrageous Bagels. Outrageous Bagels. I've been going there since, like, I was a kid. Holy shit, where is it located? Um... It's located by where I used to live, uh, but it's located on uh, 107th Avenue and Kendall Drive. Kendall. Nice. Yeah. So um, it's just a little just a little bagel shop, like yeah. you know, in a regular Sandwiches. shopping regular shopping center. I right? love me a bagel the sandwich. Act- the, actually, the owner lives in my old neighborhood. Damn. I don't think he knows that I know yeah. that. And I'm you, would, you would be great in New York City. Just go to like a bodega, just get a cup of coffee and a bagel. I... But I like these bagels. <laughs> Nowhere else? Have mm-hmm. you tried bagels anywhere else? I've tried bagels everywhere else, and I like them. But these are... But the, yeah. this is my But is it more bagel. because of, like, the nostalgia for you, or is it the simplicity of it? I think it's just because I, I, uh, I, I just like the way that... Because I get, a, I get a, a Nova spread, which is, like, chunks of salmon oh. on an everything bagel. And, like, I don't think, like, their bagel is that great. I don't think, you know, their cream cheese is necessarily that great. But I think the cuts of salmon that they put in there, and the oh. way they do it, like... The way that they have it, it's like nice and chunky, but yeah. like not like huge, yeah, abnormally yeah. large pieces. It's not right? overwhelming. Yeah, and it's just perfect. All right, so this is a little round called this or that. You're gonna tell me which one you prefer. Okay. Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra? Frank Sinatra. Old school or new school? Damn, that's tough because I really I think they both have their merits. Yeah, um, yeah. gotta pick one though. But uh, I'll go with new school. All right, audiobook or book book? Uh, audiobook. Cats or dogs? Cats. <laughs> really. I've turned into a cat person. Oh, that's funny. Just after getting a cat? She's a man. All right. There you go. Love your cats, folks. Indiana Jones or Han Solo? Indiana Jones. Nice. It's a good one. You can't... The funny thing is there's no wrong answer to that. It's just... It's funny to get someone's opinion. I actually also like Blade Runner. Oh, Harrison Blade Runner's Ford. great. Yeah. Smart or funny? Funny. <laughs> yeah. Super speed or super strength? Super speed. I want to get places. It is, you know what? Super speed would be great because it's just like, I got to be there now. Super speed would be a good one, wouldn't it? This is fun. I like this. <laughs> yeah, you want to do a few more? I'll do a few more. All right, let's do five more. Tacos or burritos? Burritos. Definitely bur- you burritos. You can't go wrong with burrito. Cannot go wrong. Star Wars or Harry Potter? Star Wars. Hands down. Harry Potter wow. is terrible. Sweet or savory? Savory. Indica or sativa? <laughs> <laughs> They're both great. Which one do you fancy? <laughs> uh, actually, always forget the difference so i'll say indica indica in the couch kind of a mellow okay more relaxed kind of goofy funny sativa more uppity more uh yeah I'm, a, I'm gonna go with indica yeah same super salad soup you looked at me like you're i, I insulted <laughs> look, you look man i'm sorry oh my God, you guys don't see this but he's walking off who, the show whoever right now. 
Like, look, man, um, lettuce is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) No nutritional value. (laughs) It's fucking disturbingly stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Disturbingly stupid. That's the title of my new podcast. All right. uh, Last one. The Office or Parks and Rec? The Office. There you go. That wasn't the right answer. There's only one right answer. You don't even think Parks and Rec should be considered? Absolutely not. Why? Chris Pratt's great, though. Dude, Parks and Rec is great, man. Have you seen it? Have you watched it? No, so far. Well, then that's the thing. You got to watch it. <laughs> the thing is that I liked both. I don't really have a favorite. I think they're both amazing. But if I did, I would probably pick Parks and Rec. Are they both mockumentaries? Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, they're great. Both of them are awesome. I think you should give it a, give it a shot. I'll give it a, I'll give it a spin. All right. This is my uh, my closing. This is my last question of the show. Okay. You ready for this one? Yes. Isaac, what is your favorite noise? Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. A really powerful gasoline engine. Like yes. a car engine? Yes, a gasoline <laughs> car engine. You heard it here first, folks. Fuck Tesla. Fuck electrical vehicles. Isaac is all about the gas engine. Yes, sir. Gas the engine. The diesel engines. Not the diesel. Diesel's terrible. This is why he loves Vin Diesel and the Fast and Furious franchise and why he can't wait for it to merge with the Jurassic Park universe. No, I mean, dude, I actually, have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of a rotary engine? No. That's a, so a Maz, like a Mazda RX-7, right? It's yeah, a car. Yeah. Has a rotary engine. It's the thing. The problem with them is that they're very unreliable because there's these little seals. Oh, I forgot what they're called. Oh, apex seals, mm-hmm. and they break. Then you have to like fucking like take apart the whole engine and fix them, right? It's very delicate. It's stupid, but they sound like like you hear them and they sound like screeches. They're insane. Oh, really? It's, it's like they're it's, and it's a sound that you enjoy. They're insanely powerful. Wow. See, I don't think I would like. That. <laughs> I think it's just too much. I love cars. I love cars too, and I love. I, I think a good like old school engine sounds great. There's there's like a, there's a very it's like it has like a hum. Like yeah, a it's, it's very authentic. Uh, well, thanks again for doing the show. I appreciate you being here. You gave me a lot of good things to think about about my life, and I'm sure other people's life as well. No, it was nice to have you, man. Thank you so much. 100. Uh, percent All right, so this is my this is my sign off. Uh, this is how I like to sign off the show. I usually I start the sentence, and then I I like you to finish it for me. Okay. If that's okay. All right, thanks, folks, for tuning into another episode of Conversations from a Room. Have a great day, and use the bathroom regularly. So that's a PSA for today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and good night. <laughs> Once again, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. Hey, even if it's a bad one, why not? Even bad publicity is good publicity these days. Actually, any day. Pretty much all the time. But also, just spread the word. That always seems to work, too. If you have any interest in chatting with me or contacting the show, make sure to follow on Discord at Conversations from a Room or directly at my Instagram at Christian Lugo. Well, that's all I got for you today, guys. And now here is the latest single by Playkill, I Don't Wanna Wanna. See you next time.
I won't take. 